0: We've entered the third month of the novel coronavirus being in Canada. Hundreds of thousands of Canadians have been tested for the virus, tens of thousands suffer with it, and more than a thousand lives have been lost to COVID-19 in this country.
1: But millions more in this country are having to deal with mental health and wellness challenges brought on by the stark changes to everyday life from the virus.
0: It's a problem that governments are waking up to, a problem whose solution is already in our own hands. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And this is why.
1: As the novel coronavirus continues to be a challenge here in Canada and around the world, our lives have changed. For example, I've been working from home, and you, Dave, you've been working from the station at 770 CHQR in Calgary. How's that been?
0: Well, Adam, this building usually has about 100 people in it, and I see about six a day, pretty much a ghost town. How's working from home been for you? You know, I found it hard to do my work to the same degree that I did before
1: I had to work from home. Part of that challenge is I've just finished a mandatory 10-day self-isolation after I developed a sore throat. The Alberta government, like many others, put in public health orders for anyone with any symptoms and I've had to follow that. Now I'm fortunate and then I got to test for COVID-19 and it came back negative. But man, I got to feel firsthand some of those mental health challenges of self-isolation. Not being able to go out and see friends and family, not being able to go out and gather news, you know, I really felt like I had lost my purpose. I was like a guitar string that became unwound. And that's just without anyone in my household suffering from the virus. So today's topic of mental health during the novel coronavirus is, well, timely for me. Well, let's get into it then. These are critically important times for all of us. And we need to hang together and we need to recognize that although we may feel stressed, we may feel... Uh, bouts of depression at uh, the challenges that we face as individuals, as a family, and as a community, together we can get through this. And the acknowledgement that mental health is something that we need to address has never been more present as it has been over the past number of years.
0: That's B.C. Premier John Horgan. The B.C. government is putting $5 million into expanding mental health programs and services during the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: That follows the federal government's dedication of $7.5 to the Kids Help Phone, a move that has been echoed by many provincial governments. Now, as the pandemic continues, the need for mental health care intensifies, with governments being one way for those in need to get help. We have launched a mental health portal at Canada.ca and through the Canada COVID-19 app, where you can go to find support. So if you need to, please reach out. We'll be there for each other. Dr. Karen Cohen is a registered psychologist in Ontario and is the CEO of the Canadian Psychological Association. Welcome, Dr. Cohen.
2: Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Karen,
1: this COVID-19 pandemic is a stressful time just by the nature of the event. What are some of the more common ways the pandemic is affecting our mental health as a population?
2: Good question. Like any stressor, a health emergency is going to challenge our our abilities to cope. It's really normal and usual for us to feel worried or upset during events like this. We're here for for ourselves and for other people that we care about. It can bring up feelings of other similar past events. It's for those of us who've lived through other traumas. Um, Important to remember that everyone copes differently. People get stressed. Stress doesn't get people. So you have to really know yourself and and know how you respond. Um, People who have pre-existing conditions, children and teens, um, uh, people working on the front lines of healthcare, people who worry or live alone, they might be more worried in a situation like this. And how it usually shows itself uh, beyond feelings of worry might inter- interfere with our sleep, our appetites. It might worsen other health conditions that we have. We might, uh, people may turn to substances more, which, which are not really good ways of coping. Those, those are some of the ways you can know that it's getting to you.
0: So, you chatted a little bit about people who have existing conditions. How do you think they're faring so far during the pandemic and how does the pandemic affect their existing conditions?
2: You know, obviously, stress affects any of, any chronic condition. You know, if you're not sleeping well, exercising well, taking care of yourself, that's going to affect your health. and It's also going to affect whether you, uh, how you live through an illness. Uh, for people, for example, who have um, very uh, major mental health problems, uh, it poses uh, some uh, a special risk on them in the sense that um, if you, for example, are living with schizophrenia, um, you may have other issues that make it more difficult for you to cope in terms of your access to the internet, even basic information, necessities of care for people who may be living communally. They're going to face higher risks living with other people. There tends to be higher rates of smoking among people with major clients of mental illness. All of these things may put you at particular uh, risk. Um, The other thing that's important is if you are living uh, with a major uh, mental health problem, you're not going to have access to the usual care that you would have because we know that lots of usual kinds of health care has been disrupted so it's incredibly important if you do have a pre-existing mental health problem that you have access to care and support either made available by the hospital or clinic that you visit or the health care provider Canadian Mental Health Association for example will have listings of a lot of resources Um, So really important that if you're living through a chronic condition, you have access in some way to to, health care and support.
3: So, you know, one of the things that we look for as psychologists when somebody's having a difficult time is basically their their social support network, right?
1: That's Dr. Gantz Ferrets, a registered psychologist in Edmonton, Alberta.
3: So um, we always look at, okay, are they connected to people? Who do they have around them? Are those relationships good? That sort of thing. So we're, we're, we're kind of hit with a double whammy with um, social distancing and physical distancing, because now that we have to be away from people, we're actually missing. You know, not only are we under stress and, and there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a different procedure we have to follow, but also our, one of the major things that supports us and it supports our mental health when we're going through difficult times that's that's changed now, right? So, we, you know, we we feel less connected. We have to be physically away from people. So we're not getting that physical touch that we would normally get, even if it's like a handshake or a hug. And so that can be really stressful. It it It, it is stressful in itself and it takes away some of the barriers that we usually have to manage stress uh, on a day-to-day basis.
1: Dr. Gans, I'm wondering if you can discuss and unpack more of the role that loneliness has in the degradation of mental health. Being that we are to
3: use a phrase, social beings. Absolutely. We, we're definitely social animals. And so loneliness is a big, big deal. Um, the government of England actually um, made a position. They, they, they have a minister of loneliness that uh, they're, they're using. And that, that's been going like since before the, the, this particular pandemic because what the research has found is that loneliness is extremely bad for our health bad for our mental health, but also bad for our, our physical health as well. And they were putting it on par with, like, you know, smoking, a, you know, I think maybe a pack a day or whatever it is. Um, so it's, it's significant in terms of our well-being and in terms of our physical health. And especially when we're dealing with um, something where immune systems are important, it, it's important to look at things that are going to help us to be happy and help us to feel connected because the happier we are emotionally, the happier our physiology is, and the happier our immune system is. So loneliness can have a very, very big effect on people. Babies, for example, who are, you know, if they're orphaned or whatever, and they don't have um, somebody to connect with, uh, there's a syndrome called failure to thrive. And basically, this Kills the babies just die from from you know what you could consider loneliness because if they're not touched if they're not hugged if they're not you know kind of connected to another human being it's very detrimental to them. So our nervous system is a little more robust as adults, but we still have that same need. So so that need to connect and, and feel like we're part of the the greater whole is very very important.
0: Karen, what kind of mental health problems can frontline health workers face right now and then? also face going forward when we're through all of this.
2: I think there are some real um, um, added things that face people working on the front lines of COVID, particularly in healthcare. care. Um, we've seen communities just, ex- you know, come out and express great appreciation for their work they're doing. And, and so we should healthcare providers uh, working in healthcare facilities, dealing with people who, who have COVID, they have a lot coming at them all at once. Lots of information, lots of changing information, very rapidly, While the, all the while they have to act rapidly as well. They don't get the same kind of break that the rest of us must break. It's all COVID all the time. And so making time for self-care can be more challenging. I think too, um, I think of my own days working in healthcare, you tend to see the worst, not necessarily the usual, so it's obviously the, the sickest people who are going to come to the attention of our health care providers. I think healthcare care providers have worries for their own health, the health of their families and all this, where, while child care resources are disrupted, um, health care workers working in hospitals may be redeployed to do other jobs they don't usually do, which could be a stress they're going to be worried about do they have adequate resources is there enough personal protective equipment and staffing and medical equipment are they going to have everything they need to successfully treat everybody who walks through the door i think what's important to keep in mind is that we're all human beings before we're anything else so before you train to become a doctor or a nurse You're a journalist, you're a human being. And so we have the same kinds of vulnerabilities as everyone else.
1: You know, we're living in an era that looks to be a a once-in-a-lifetime event. Just look at the language Justin Trudeau used recently in the House of Commons. This is not a war that doesn't make this fight any less destructive, any less dangerous. But there is no front line marked with barbed wire, no soldiers to be deployed across the ocean, no enemy combatants to defeat. Instead, the front line is everywhere. Dr. Gantz, with childhood being such a formative time for us as human beings, what are the challenges facing parents in leading their children through this era?
3: Kids are growing up, and depending on the age, there are different um, sort of developmental tasks they go through at different ages and different different, time frames. But for parents, it's extremely important that, you know, one, you make sure you look after your own mental health as a priority. Um, one of the things that, I, like I'm a parent myself, I got two kids, two, uh, well, one young adult and one teenager, and um, there is a tendency for us to sacrifice ourselves for the kids. And, and you know, there's a tendency to want to protect the kids and shield them from stuff. All of these tendencies are correct and they are well-meaning. But we can overdo it sometimes, right? And one of the things that helps the kids to feel secure and calm and manage their own anxiety and stress when things are changing and there's uncertainty is to know that the adults, the big people in the home, know what they're doing, right? There is a sense of security if mom and dad seem solid, right? So uh, it is very important that, um, that the parents, take the advice that we get when we're on an airplane, right? If they they say, if you're traveling with somebody who needs help and the masks come down, you want to make sure you put on your own mask before you help somebody else. When we do what we need to do, whether that's talking, reaching out to a mental health professional, talking to our partners, um, reaching out to friends or clergy, um, doing things to look after ourselves, like, like going for a walk or exercising or, um, you know, finding a finding a, a, a hobby that uh, really works for us, then when we're dealing with the kids, we can have more of a sense of calm, more of a sense of stability. And then I think it's important to tell the kids the truth. Yeah, you know, your parents are also concerned. Yes, this is a tough time. It is uncertain. And yeah, sometimes Tom, I can get scared or I can feel sad. What you're doing when you are honest with the kids in that way is you do help them to know that, oh, okay, I'm allowed to have my feelings around this too. And you give them some language to talk about it so that they don't just suck it up and keep it inside, then, you know, have problems later or act it out uh, in the moment. Uh, so, you know, being, being prepared yourself, looking after yourself, and then being honest and direct with the kids when you're feeling stuff or when they have questions. And if you can do that in a way that's just sort of like a regular conversation, that really does help the kids to seem, to feel calm and to see that, okay, you know what, this is difficult, but we're going to get through it and we're in this together, and it's going to be okay.
1: Dr. Gantz, as you were talking about that, I reflected on some of the kids that I know, nieces, nephews, or children of friends. And often, children can have a wisdom all their own. It seems to me that parents could learn something from their own children's responses to this coronavirus.
3: You know, one of the things, um, and not in any way trying to minimize the difficulty that people are having, especially when you're, you know, somebody's physically ill or, you know, some of the economic insecurity that we're dealing with right now. But, you know, there's another way to look at this. Um, When we can develop a mindset of trying to figure out, okay, how can we make not just the best of it, but how can we make this work for us? Um, we tend to manage any kind of disappointment or um, tragedy or uh, stressful situation far, far better. And so you're right. Kids can be a great role model for this because, oh, I don't get to, I don't have to go to school. All right. Well, I get to just you know sleep in and I get to play video games and I get to talk to my friends or watch a show I wanted. Right. And so they can really show us the way in terms of seeing the opportunities that we may not like automatically be aware of there's also there's also uh, a great opportunity right now to connect with your kids if you're a parent um because there's you know there can be a lot of together time right now so um kids are also great at showing us what play looks like and um when when we become adults uh that's something that we're not always um as practiced with in terms of just playing and just letting loose and just having a a good belly laugh. So I would really encourage parents to look towards their kids or their pets as well to, to, to remind themselves that, okay, you know what, there's other stuff going on here as well, and we can get through this and we can actually see where we can find the opportunity to have a different experience right now.
0: Karen, this isn't the first time we've faced worldwide events like these. We have had previous pandemics. I'm thinking Ebola, the 1918 flu. What are some likely long-term effects do you think that could come out of this pandemic?
2: Yeah, um, you know, one of the things I I, uh, hear lots of people talking about is, uh, you know, the effects of COVID are are biological, of course, and those have to be a priority to get a handle on on how to grapple with, with this illness from a a physical or medical point of view. But there's also the the psychological, social, and economic effects are really going to be enduring. And those are the ones that are really going to stick around after we get a handle on some of the the physical aspects. And we're going to be uh, challenged to deal with those for some time to come. Uh, People who have job disruption or uh, end up being uh, seriously ill or having family members seriously ill. We're going to need to sustain the resources that are put in place over time for people to be able to to pick up the pieces and go back to their lives.
3: You know, one of the most difficult conditions for humans to deal with is uncertainty uh, when there's no clear either end to something or there's no clear structure to it. And we're dealing with that on many, many fronts right now. So we're dealing with that just in terms of health. We're dealing with that in terms of like the isolation we're just discussing. But now, you know, for folks that are either laid off or lost their jobs or or their entire industry is, you know, kind of up in the air, then there's a huge uncertainty about just what, what does the economic future look like? so um that that is extremely, extremely stressful for people uh, and um, and it could cause all sorts of like physical problems but also emotional problems and also relational problems, because you know now people are at home, let's say you know the, the both both wage earners in the house have been laid off, so now they're at home, they've got the kids they've got try to keep track of the kids, keep them busy. But then they're also in each other's space, uh, with with the added tension of okay, well, what's happening? How we're going to pay the bills? What's you know what's going to happen, you know, next week or next month? So it can be an extreme, uh, extremely pressure filled situation. And unfortunately, we have situations where um, some people may lash out, right? And and we may have more domestic violence. So we may have more um, drug and alcohol abuse, or more um, depression, and even higher rates of suicide during this time. So it, it, is a, it is a real concern. It is a big deal, especially for those of us in Alberta here, because I think we're, we're getting very, very hard hit. Um, what I recommend for people, though, is whenever, in any situation where it seems like our ability to impact our lives in a direct and positive way has been taken away, uh, and there is uncertainty, you really want to look for certainty wherever you can find it. You want to look for something that you can control. And it might seem silly, but even something like going to bed at the same time or um, creating an exercise program for yourself. Or, you know, one of the things I've been recommending to my clients and the folks I coach are, um, you know, I I, I recommend that they pick up uh, a hobby, uh, something that has a sense of progression to it. So like learning a language or learning an instrument or reading a book or doing something that you can see that you're moving forward and you can see that you're actually uh, building some competence because even though it's not you know fixing the general situation we're dealing with in the world or in the province it does give you back that sense of autonomy that sense of control over your own environment and your own life to see that you can actually do something and see some progression and you're moving forward in in some way
0: so what are some things we can do to keep up our mental health during this pandemic
2: i think one of the first things i would say is know yourself know what it is for you and your loved ones that um, make it easy for them to cope in these times and try to support encourage and participate in those in the fullest extent possible that goes for kids and for adults routines are important obviously some of our routines are disrupted but you know the things you enjoy the things that help you relax exercising properly sleeping to the extent that we can under physical distancing are really really important Try to avoid ways of coping that we know don't stand us in such good stead. You know, uh, that could be, you know, try to avoid using um, alcohol or or medications or things that that, uh, to excess. Try to um, pick instead things that are are more positive and health-sustaining. Connecting with others. Um, Staying informed, and that's an important thing for people to consider too. Try to listen to credible news sources and know how much is too much. There may be times when you have to turn off media. You have to put your phone away um, because it can be overload getting all of this information. Follow the guidelines of experts, um, hand-washing, physical distancing. Again, we're in this together. It's really, really important. And and sort of don't over-respond or or under-respond. Follow the guidelines, take them seriously. Um, but if, you, um, uh, if it's too much COVID all the time in terms of news coming at you, that can, can um, be negative in terms of your coping as well. Um, and be there for others. How can we be there to help others? You know someone is living alone, connect with them. Give them a call.
3: Physical activity is one of the first things we tell people to do. Um, getting exercise. I know for myself, um, I'm, I'm very mindful of trying to get more exercise right now than I have been probably ever in my life because I understand that exercise is one of those things that really does, it, it, it basically eats stress, right? It, it uses up that energy in our, in our systems and helps us to be more functional uh, emotionally and physically. And especially when we're dealing with something like a, like a virus, exercise does also help to improve your immune system, right? So it actually keeps us safe. I would also say that it's important that All of us realize that these are extraordinary circumstances right now. So, cut yourself some slack. You're not going to function as well as you normally would under ideal conditions. Uh, It's important that you recognize that so that you do not add judgment or anxiety or anything else, any kind of negativity to what you're seeing or how you're behaving right now.
2: I think people are very resilient. And uh, I think it may be a a long while, particularly to pick up the the psychological and social and economic pieces. But uh, I have faith that we can do it.
1: If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, know that there are more resources available. And in case of an emergency, please call 911 for immediate help. The Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, and Kids Help Phone. Kids Help Phone is at 1-800-668-6868. Also offer ways of getting help for you or if someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues.
0: The Canadian government also announced relaxed rules for the Canada Emergency Response Benefit and the Canada Emergency Business Account, so there are more supports that can help relieve some of the financial stress you may be experiencing. This Is Why is produced by me, Dave McIver, and Adam Toy. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email, why at globalnews.ca, and on Twitter at why. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you do like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay happy, and we'll see you soon.